0: Perfect. Thank you guys all for coming. Uh, before I get started, I want to thank you know, all the visitors and you know, um, people who are like, their first time here, second time here, third time here. I know you guys sacrificed your time and your warmth to be with us, so thank you. Uh, welcome back, Kelly, too. Good to have you back. Um, yeah, so last week I was gone, so Praise and I, my girlfriend Praise and I, we went to Hawaii, and then it was just like no complaints over there. We're in 80 degree weather. It's super sunny. Sun's out, um, a few thunderstorms, but I checked the weather and I was like, wow, it's gonna be 40 degrees here in San Francisco. And you know, I looked at her and I was like, well, at least I get to wear my green coat, so it's all good. <laughs> um, normally I don't get to dress like this. I'm a personal trainer outside of, uh, outside of church, so I like to wear sweats, um, sweatpants a lot and basketball shorts, but you know, <laughs> it's a blessing to be able to bring the word in front of you guys today. Um, yeah, so Praise and I went to Hawaii Last week, and we actually went there for a friend's wedding. Uh, so we we started off in Oahu, and um, we stayed with her friends. So her friends were the Williams family, and they were so kind to us, giving praise, all these like amazing directions of where to go and you know how to find the place. We're staying with the locals, you know, not on the beaches and everything. But you know, it was an it was an amazing opportunity to stay you know where the locals stay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then when we, when we got there, um, they're preparing a salad bar for us, and then we went to go to the Whole Foods, and then, like, we, find, we found the place, and then we're in the garage, and then all of a sudden, the door's half open, and we have our bags and everything, and then, like, these two little girls who are three years old and one year old, they just come out to us, and they're just, they're just like, ready to like, give us lays, you know? So they, like, came over there, and it was even cuter, because we had to, like, bend down to get them, you know? So we had to, like, pick them up from them. And then um, after that, we got like, this amazing tour of the house. Emery, who's a three-year-old, she, um, she showed me her little playroom and everything. Um, then she showed me to my room as well. And then Praise got her own tour from AJ, who's one years old, and Brittany as well, who's a mom. And then at that time, Dustin was helping us with our bags, and Brittany was also um, preparing, our, preparing our dinner, preparing our salad for us. So just this amazing experience. And then uh, what happened was um, they had this amazing tradition. So at the table we we prayed together, which is normal for you know any Christian family, you know just to pray together before the meal, ask uh, tell God their blessings and everything, thanking God. But they also did something amazing where Emery, who's three years old, she started looking at all of us and she was like, okay, what's your prayer? What's your prayer and your blessing? So everyone had to go on. They had to have like one blessing and one prayer request. And um, so everyone went around. We shared with each other, you know where we're where we're going in life, you know what are our blessings, what we're excited about and also where we need prayer requests. I don't really know what they would need prayer requests for when they're three years old and one year old, but it was just so encouraging still. it was so cute. And after that, um, you know, I was talking to Dustin after, and I was like, Dustin, that was, like, amazing. You know, I I can't believe that tradition that you guys created for your kids. It's so inspiring. It shows me how to, like, raise a family. What he told me was that that was actually Emery's idea. So it was a three-year-old who decided to make that um, tradition. And I was just so beautiful. And after that, um, a few days later, I, I was talking to Dustin. He was just like building me up. And I was asking him all these questions, like probably asking like 50 questions about how to be a man, basically. And then, um, you know, what he said to me was uh, one of the most, like his most important piece of furniture in the house is the kitchen table. And he said that there's so much power behind that. And I started to realize that, you know. Um, there's power and connection because there's strength in numbers. All right, there's power and connection because there's strength in numbers. So connection is a choice and a commitment. I don't know if you guys have had this before, but there's something called shave ice in Hawaii. <laughs> and basically, it's like this crushed ice where you put ice cream at the bottom, and you just put whatever flavor you want. If it's pineapple, coconut, tiger's blood, you know, it, uh, it, tastes, it tastes like a gift from heaven. And it's from Hawaii. And it's just beautiful. And you add whatever flavors you want. So you add toppings, you add, you know, some coconut flakes. You can add a pineapple, you can add red bean. And it's just amazing. You know, and I told Praise, I was like, Praise, we gotta go. You know, like the whole entire trip, I was like, Praise, can we get some shave ice? Can we please get shave ice? You know, I was begging her every single day. And finally, she had her first time, she had her first experience. It was in the North Shore. Sorry, Matsumoto's, but we didn't go to Matsumoto's. We went to a place called Aoki's, and it was just so amazing. And, you know, it was beautiful. It was all these different flavors, all these different colors. We got three colors each, so I got my own, she got her own. And, you know, we were taking these pictures. We took boomerangs. We went on the portrait mode on our iPhones, you know. And then it started to melt. And then we're like, let's, let's eat this now. And, um, you know, finally, when we started having it, I was like, this is, this is so good, you know, enjoying every second. And then I, I just looked at her, and I was like, when I finished, I was like, hey, it's good, right? You know, my eye's all huge. And she was like, yeah, this is really good. I love this. And I was like, wow, that, that, that was amazing, you know. Like, hopefully we can go again later. You know, um, but then flash forward to Sunday. So on Saturday, we're like, hey, uh, do you want to take a Sabbath day? And do you want to just, like, we're just going to fast, and we're just going to pray for our friends. Is that cool? And then uh, that's Christian for, you know, do you want to take a day of rest where you're not thinking about work and you're not gonna eat anything and you're just gonna pray to God. So we just worshiped and we were just like driving around Hawaii, like all of Hawaii basically, and then um, all of Maui. And then we were just driving around and uh, it was beautiful. It was like thunderstorming, but we were just like praying to God. We weren't eating, we are just together, you know, connected. And it was this amazing experience. And the next day, you know, we planned on getting shaved ice again after our fast, nothing, nothing to eat at all. And, you know, we went, to the, we went to the beach. It was nice and warm. It was like 80 degrees, sun, walking around, had some quiet time. It was just this great experience, and I was just like talking to Praise, and I was like, hey, like, do you want to get some shaved ice? Are you ready to do this? <laughs> and she was just like, yeah, let's, let's, let's go. And I was like, what flavors do you want to get? You know, I already thought of mine. I knew what I wanted. And, you know, I was like, what flavors do you want? And she asked a question that just tears my soul apart. And she says, can I just share with you? And I was just like, (laughs) you know, I I paused for a second. I was like, no, like, what do you mean? And I, I thought about it, you know, I was just like walking to my car. You know, I kept going and I was like, I mean, I. I guess we can just we can just share, it. like maybe we'll get like we'll get a big one, we'll we'll look into like what sizes they have, you know. Maybe it's enough. And you know, I, I finally told her, I was like, you know what? We we can do it, you know, we we can do this, you know. I we can share it because it because I love you. You know? So connection is a choice and a commitment. <laughs> it's a choice and commitment, okay guys? Alright, we're going to the Bible now. So in the book of Daniel, so Craig went over the book of Daniel a little bit last week. But in the book of Daniel, there are these three men that were connected like brothers. You know, Pastor Craig shared on them briefly, and that was a Hananiah who became Shadrach, Mishael who became Meshach, and uh, Azariah who became Radio Shack. (laughs) (laughs) But Azariah, that's a crazy joke, but Azariah became Abednego. All right, and they were always mentioned, whenever they're in the Bible, all these three men, they were mentioned as a trio. Yeah. You know, what, what ended up happening, to set the uh, setting a little more. So Babylon besieged Jerusalem and took some of their best men, even though some of the best from Jerusalem, even though they were some of the best from Jerusalem, they were still exiles in a foreign land, so they just stuck together. You know, they were slaves together. So in Daniel chapter 2, um, there's this king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. He's just like this really violent man. And he had this dream where, you know, no one could interpret it for him. You know, so he had this crazy dream. It kept him up at night. No one could interpret it for him. So he, he ended up trying to find all the wise men um, in the area, in Babylon. And then um, they were just struggling. And, you know, he actually put out a decree. So he put out a decree that every, um, every wise man would be killed. You know, because he was so mad that no one, they weren't working for him. So he put out this decree that every wise man would be killed. And on top of that, that also included um, these, three, these three men. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were uh, destined for their death. You know, he put out this decree. And then uh, what ends up, up happening in that chapter is Daniel interprets a dream. And the chapter ends like this in the message version. It says... Then the king promoted Daniel to a high position in the kingdom, lavished him with gifts, and made him governor over the entire province of Babylon, and the chief in charge of all the Babylonian wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to administrative posts throughout Babylon, while Daniel governed from the royal headquarters. So in Daniel 3 is where the drama starts. So Nebuchadnezzar, he created a statue of gold that was just ginormous. It was huge. And then he just commanded that everyone would just bow down and worship it. So he played like all this music, and then everyone would have to bow down and worship him and the statue. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided not to bow down and worship because of their faith in God. And then some people, who were the astrologers, they told on him. So in Daniel 3:8, the verse reads, but some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge in the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. So when I read that, I started to realize you know, it's, a, it's such an honest truth that not everyone in your life is going to want you to, to succeed. Yeah. So there's people who don't want you to have power, don't want you to own over anything. They, they don't want you to do better than them. So that's why I think it's important that your best friends need to be the ones that want the best for you. So there's a few people in my life who I know will stand with me no matter what. They'll stand up with me no matter what. And uh, Pastor Craig is one of them. You know, Pastor Craig, he's just one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. You know, he, he'll lift me up with anything I try and pursue. You know, and uh, he just offers so much fellowship. We, we used to box together a little bit. You know, we'd go through these workouts, and it was, like, really great. And then my forearms would be sore for, like, a week. Um, you know, and he's just so full of wisdom as well. You know, Pastor Craig is one of the most wise people you'll ever meet and that comes from God and his relationship with God. Also, my good friend Andy right here. Man, Andy, he's, uh, he's one of the most caring people I, I've ever met. You know, he always makes sure that everyone's taken care of. He'll talk to people who are new to church, or um, he'll talk to people who you know, feel like they're lost, you know, and he just cares so much about them, cares so much about his friends. It's, it's beautiful, it's amazing. And he's really fun, too, you know, we'll mess around. We'll just yell at each other for a minute on the phone before we actually start talking. Um, and he's just incredibly supportive, too, just really pushing me with anything I try to pursue. You know, also, uh, I also want to give a shout out to another person in my life, uh, Lee Kabuha. So man, this guy, this guy became an older brother figure for me. And he truly, truly changed my life. Um, if you don't know Lee, then you've probably have never been to Blue Bottle. Or maybe you don't live in San Francisco. <laughs> so uh, a few months ago, I asked um, my friend Lee, you know, I just saw the way he, he led people and the way he's just so honest and he's so caring and he always touches his heart after everything he says. and just, Everything comes from the heart. <laughs> Man. But, you know, I asked him, I was like, Lee, uh, can you disciple me? And what that means is like, can you, can you teach me how to follow Jesus? You know, can you teach me how to live my best life? And I didn't know what I would get out of that, but I'm so glad I did, I'm so glad I did. So, um, one day I met with Lee and I shared with him like all of my insecurities, you know. Um, I think a lot of us have those and, you know, there's this time in my life where I just saw my life and I just thought that I just wasn't doing a good job, you know, I just thought that I just wasn't qualified, I thought that I wasn't making an impact on anyone, you know, I thought that my family's just like not proud of me. You know, and I thought that I just didn't add any value to the world. And, you know, when I talked to Lee about it, you know, I started to realize, like, how much he cares for me because, you know, he had, like, teardrops in his eyes, and they were just, um, I just saw so much emotion, and, you know, I just knew that he saw me as a brother. And he, uh, he truly lifted me up that day. And um, he encouraged me, and he just changed my whole entire view of myself. See, um, man, you didn't Like he believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. You know, he's he's exactly what he wanted, brother. He's encouraging, loving, and you know he always wants the best for you. You know, I think these are the friends in my life that you know I know they'll stand with me no matter what. I think these are the type of relationships that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also shared. See, the story continues in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more choice, one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've, I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, but if you refuse, You'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And, that, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? He's so much anger. He says, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have created. Mm -hmm. See, I love that last line. You know, he says, even if he doesn't. I believe that's the type of faith that I want. You know, I want that type of unwavering faith. See, you believe if your faith is based on if God is going to move or not. You know, sometimes your faith might be based on if God does something. Yeah. You know, you might set that up. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. See, if you only believe in God because he does what you want, that sounds more like a transaction than trust. Wow. See, when I, th- when I see this part of the story, I start to realize that these boys are not just stepping into the fire, but they're stepping into faith. See, the king filled with rage, and he commands his strongest people to throw them into the fire. And it was just so hot that even the soldiers who were carrying them in, they were getting, they were getting like lit on fire, and they were dying on the way to the furnace. See, and then in verse 24, it reads, But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped, in up, jumped up in amazement, and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. See, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, and the high officers Officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Yeah. Wow. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Yeah. See, I feel like it's so crazy that you know this guy, he, he called all these people to worship him, and at the end of the story, he ends up worshiping God. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. And I feel like part of the reason why you know, these men didn't catch on fire is because they already were. You know, see, their passion for God, their passion for God was amazing. You know, they knew that, you know, no matter what, even if you don't save us, God, we still believe in you. Father, we know what you're going to do. We know what you're going to do. If no one's going to stand up for you, God, we will. If no one's going to stand up for their faith, God, we will. We'll stand up for you. We love you. So, I think there's a, I think it's such an amazing story, you know. I think uh, so often we we can see this and we look at it like that. Even if he doesn't faith, you know, we think about all those amazing things that God does, you know. And th- talking about faith too, but I think there's something else that's just so amazing that I don't know if we've really looked at before. And it's kind of crazy because we have to actually read between the lines to see this story. So, um, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they're amazing wise men they're hebrews they were taken from their land but i think the most amazing part is that they were not the only slaves there they were not the only hebrews who were exiled to a foreign land right so i just imagine at this time you know just imagine what these people were going through so all these other slaves so a lot of them were just on their knees and you know in those moments they were just Giving up on their faith. They're just giving up on God. And honestly, I look at that story and I would say, you know, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. So I just imagine them, and I imagine them, you know, praying, praying to God, this God that they believe in every single night, you know, every single day. They're just like, God, God, you're coming after us. God, we're we're waiting on you, we're waiting on you to move. God, please come to us, Father. Days go by, they keep praying, God, God, we need you. Where are you? And then weeks go by, months go by, there's still no response. They just start saying, God, God, you're coming, right? They start to to doubt it. God, you're coming, right? You're going to come after us, right? God, you didn't forget about us, right? You still see us, Father. We're still praying. We still need you, God. Then finally... More time passes. Years go on even. You know, they're just waiting and they're just waiting on God to move. They're still slaving away and they start to look at each other. They start to look at these people praying and they're like don't don't even don't even worry about it anymore. You know, he's not coming. He's not coming after us. There's a God, you know. He we have these stories but I think he forgot about us. I think he forgot about us. And there's that one day, you know, they're bowing to this foreign god. They're all on their knees, and they're all just worshiping, worshiping this man because they have nothing else to worship. And they have their their heads in the sand. And finally, they see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They see them stand up. And they see Nebuchadnezzar, and he's yelling at them, and he's commanding these soldiers to take them into the furnace and I just imagine that there's some Hebrews who they're looking on at this and they're on their knees and they're just looking at them and then they're just looking on with disgust you know how could you believe that he's going to save you from this how do you even believe that he's going to come through for you with this you see we've been praying for all these years and where is God you know where is he You know, and then there's some of them too who are looking at that and they start to put their faces in the sand. You know, I can't even see what's going to happen. I can't even see what they're going to go through. They're, They're walking into the fire. They're walking into their fate. I don't know why they're doing this. Why do they believe anymore? And I feel like there's still some who they're on their knees and they start to look forward and they start to look up and they see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They see them walking forward. And they start to realize like, you know what's going to happen. You know, maybe God will move. Maybe God will come through. Yeah. You know, maybe he will save them. We don't know. Yeah. And finally, they go into the fire. Everyone else, the soldiers are dying. And then they see four men in the fire. They see four men in the fire. And then these men, these three guys, untouched, Completely untouched. Yeah. See, God saved them. And that's why when I see this story, you know, um, at the end of it, so Nebuchadnezzar actually releases a new decree that anyone who speaks out against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh-huh. they're going to get torn limb from limb. Wow. So this is the God that we're going to worship. This is the God we believe in. You know, so that's why when I see this story, I start to realize that, you know, your faith is like a fire. Yeah, yeah. See, your faith is contagious. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to have that type of faith. Yeah. You know, I want to have that type of faith where I'm saying, God, if no one's going to stand up for you, God, I will. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I want to have that faith where if no one else believes, I'm going to still believe. I'm still going to have faith so that when God moves in my life, that everyone else will see that, and that that faith will be contagious, and that my faith will light other people's up, other people up. See, I feel like with my life, you know, I feel like I need faith to be excellent. So I need God to do well in life. So before I kind of met Jesus, and before I gave my life to Jesus, and he changed my life, I was a straight C student. I did not care about school. I had, this stupid, I had this stupid saying where people were, like, talking about their grades, and like, oh, it's all good, man, C's get degrees, you know? And then <laughs> I would say that all the time, and I just did not care. But then, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was like, you know, I want to do better. You know, I want to excel. I want to be excellent. And finally, you know, I ended up making the Dean's List after I gave my life to Jesus, and I didn't even know that, but I was like, it's pretty cool. It was a good feeling. Um... But I think I also need faith in the everyday as well. Yes. You know, so I mentioned that I'm a personal trainer earlier, but I also teach these boot camps too. So uh, sometimes for the boot camps, you know, I'd have to wake up at five in the morning or four in the morning because the class is at five. And, you know, I would take some time, I'd read my Bible, you know, I would just like on the way to the on the way to the gym, I'd be like, praying, and i will be like, God, yeah, like, let me freaking, uh, let me just love these people so well, God, you know, let me just love them, give them everything that I have, you know, help me just love them well, and I would pray that every single morning, you know, and I'd just be so motivated, it'd be like five in the morning, like, come on, guys, let's go, let's go, and i will like give high fives to everyone real quick, and then um, I find like one girl, she stopped me, and she was like, wow, like, Joseph, what's your secret, you know, like, it's like five in the morning, like, how are you so in my face and everything, you know, <laughs> And um, she was like, what's your secret? What, what do you do? What do you do? And I was like, drugs, duh. But then uh, I was like, but after I said that, I was like, why the heck did I say that, you know? And then um, finally, yeah, like a few seconds later, a few minutes later, I was just like, can I just grab her real quick? And I just grabbed her. And I was like, you know, honestly, I, I pray to God every morning, and like, <laughs> I'm a man of faith, you know? Like, It wasn't because of that other reason. Don't judge me. You know, Um, but I just told her, you know, I'm a man of faith and I pray. I pray for you guys every morning. I pray that I can love you guys well. Um, So I just redeemed myself with that. But uh, I think sometimes too, you know, God will call you to take a leap of faith. You know, God will call you to do amazing things, right? Um, And I think you should use those moments I think those are the moments that you should use that. You know, you light people on fire. Yeah. Well, people start to realize, oh man, there's something different about this, this person. There's something different about this guy or this girl. Yeah. You know, they're on fire with something and I want some of that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did this thing called PhilGrad at college. Um, when I was graduating, graduating college, there's something called PhilGrad. And don't worry, we're not racist. It's called the Filipino graduation, but you know, other people, all types of people can come through. It's just basically a more uh, intimate setting. So it's a very intimate setting. There's people dancing and everything. We have like these speeches as well. But they do speeches a little differently. So if you guys don't remember, I was a straight C student before I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't have the best grades. But what ended up happening was, in order to do a speech here, all you had to do was write something that was you know, impactful. Or write something that people can relate to. So um, I ended up writing a speech, and. You know, I was like so motivated for this. I was just like, man, like just gave my life to Jesus like a year ago. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use this opportunity. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to people about God. It's going to be amazing. And then as I got selected, I was like, I'm going to talk to people about God. And it was just like this stadium, you know, it's like not a stadium. I'm exaggerating, but it was like a gym. It's still pretty big. You know, it's almost the same thing, just large, smaller scale. But it was this like huge experience, you know. It was really big for me. It was um, probably one of the the biggest speech I've done and I have, didn't do any public speaking before that really. I remember there was this one time where I was in second grade and I, was, uh, we had to, I went to this Catholic school and we had to choose a patron saint. So we had to choose the saint who's like our boy. He's like our avatar, that's who we're supposed to be like. <laughs> and we all had to say who it was and what they do. Then I was the only kid who I was standing up there and I had to make someone else read it for me. I was just so nervous, I was like this er- nervous little kid and I, d- I couldn't read it for myself, you know? I just get public speaking like crazy. Um, but then there's this opportunity where you know, I got to share this, I got to share a speech about you know, resilience, you know, in front of all these, like, college kids who are just graduating, just moving on to the next step of life. And I got to talk to them about resilience, you know, I got to talk to them about living their best life, being the best that they can be in whatever they choose to do. And, you know, following whatever they want, not, not just their parents telling them to be a nurse or an engineer. Um, but it was great. And, you know, I remember at the end of it, um, it's not like a Christian thing, but you know, I told them, you know, my mom's story, which I'm, so, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably know this right now, but basically, my mom was in the ICU and she was in an incubated coma for three months. And that was actually the first time I ever prayed to God. And it wasn't like an Our Father, Hail Mary, or Glory be to the Father. You know, I prayed to God and I was asking God, like, God, do you exist? You know, I was like, God, show me you're out there. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Why is my mom sitting in this coma? And I'm right here in front of her. I'm 15 years old. You know, God, it doesn't make sense to me. Show me you exist. And I prayed that prayer. And, you know, my mom, um, she was in a coma for three months, but uh, she was awake for three days. And those three days was uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas, the day after Christmas. And I was at a point where I was agnostic. I didn't believe in God. And I was like, God, like, I think you're showing yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and then my, my mom ended up passing away on... January 15, 2007, and it was around 2 2.45 when, you know, we're downstairs in the hospital, and then I get a text from my family, go upstairs, say goodbye to your mom, she's getting a lot worse, and we go upstairs, and, you know, we're talking to her, we're like, we're sorry, we're sorry, we love you, we love you so much, and she had a tear drop coming down her eye, even though she was in a coma, and, you know, we're just like, we love you, you know, and it's fine, you can just let go now. And as soon as we said that, uh, she ended up flatlining. And we looked at the clock for some reason. I looked at the clock, and it was right exactly at 3 p.m., which is like supposedly when Jesus died on the cross. And I was just like, man, that wrecked me. And I started to really believe, you know, God is out there. And I share that story with all these people, you know. And I ended, up, I ended up telling them at the end, you know, I don't know where you're at in life, but, um, you know, I hope that if you ever feel like, if you ever feel the need to, I know that prayer can change your life. You know, so I talked to them all about faith. I talked to all of them about God. You know, I, thought, I felt like I really need to tell every single person you know, because that's just God's reckless love for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God has this reckless love that he's constantly pursuing yeah. each and every one of their souls. Yeah. And I was like, I need to tell you guys about God's reckless love. Yeah. So there's a line in the song, Reckless Love, by Corey Ashbury, mm-hmm. And honestly, it gets me every single time. You know, it's just so beautiful. And it just says, um, he's talking about God's reckless love. I'm not going to sing it, so no worries. (laughs) But uh, he says, he says, oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found and leaves the 99. So um, I cry like every time I hear that song. I'm like a really, really emotional person. But I cry almost every time I hear that song. It's because it's not about God's reckless love for me. You know, I know that, but it's about God's reckless love for all. Yeah. You know, God has this reckless love for every single person, no matter who it is. And honestly, like, every time I hear that song, I, I think of my brother. You know, I, I know a lot of you guys probably know my story about my mom. You know, I, I, I like to speak about my mom. I like to speak about my baby sister, but I actually have a brother as well. Um, I'm super proud of this guy. You know, he's, a, he's just a really uh, well-liked. You know, a lot of his friends are always going to him, you know, um, he's just exciting to be around. And he's like a family man too. Um, all my cousins love him. You know, he's studying to be a doctor right now too. So he's uh, studying to be a doctor of osteopathic. Um, and he's just been there for me. You know, he's been there for me in the, in the most Dark moments of my life, and he's also kind of helped raise me too, in a lot of ways as well. You know, he, uh, he took me to like my first concerts when I was like 16 and going through this weird phase where I would have my hair like this long and, you know, just trying to go to like these little punk rock concerts and didn't even know the scene and stuff. And I was this, uh, one of two Asian people there, and it was amazing. But um, he took me to those experiences. He took me to like, this thing called Warp Tour. He took me to, to outside lands. <laughs> he took me to outside lands as well in San Francisco. You know, uh, even like, when I was playing lacrosse, I was playing lacrosse for like one year, where it's like this sport where you have like, these huge sticks and you're just like, moving around with them, and you're just like, sprinting, and you're, you're trying to score goals. It's like field hockey almost. And I wouldn't even have the ball. I'd be just be running. He'd be like, yes, my brother, come on. <laughs> And I was just like, wow, yeah, that's, yeah, come on, I'll keep running faster. And then um, I wasn't even that good, you know. I just barely got playing time. And he was always there just, like, cheering me on. And, you know, whenever he'd have a speech, he'd be, like, he'd be, like, talking about me and stuff. And, like, honestly, with me, um, I feel like I haven't been the best brother. You know, I feel like a lot of times um, I just haven't really come through for him. I haven't been uh, supportive of him, too, you know. Like, he's doing all these amazing things, and I just now started to tell him, like, I'm proud of you, like, keep going, keep going. You know, when I did my speech at, for college, like, I didn't even mention him, too, you know? Like, I, there was just, like, some wounding there, you know? And I, I started to realize that, you know, the only time, the minute I started caring was when I actually started getting discipled by Lee. And, you know, it's amazing because I started to realize that, you know what, in order to, in, in order to be a brother, I needed to know what a brother meant, you know, what it meant to be a brother. Yeah. So Lee was just like this brother to me. And he was just like, man, he, he showed me what it's like to just, someone wants the best for you, someone wants you to grow. Yeah. You know, and, I, and finally, I started to realize that that with my brother too. Like, I want to do the same thing for him. You know? I want him to grow as well. I want to be a brother now. And I would say, like, with me, honestly, I've been a brother for 26 years, but I have a few months' experience. You know, I'm still working at this and, you know, I just want him to know that, you know, if he's going to listen to this later, like, I, I love that guy so much and, you know, I'm proud of everything that he's doing. And I just hope that I can be there for him whenever he needs me. You know, so I just love it how our relationship is changing. Like, I'll text him now and I'll be like, hey man, I'm proud of you. Like, keep going. And if I get thrown off and he doesn't text me back, but it's all good. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's something that we're going to work on. You know, we're going to work on this relationship and... I know with him, like every time I hear that Reckless Love song, I I wish that's him. You know, I I hope it's like God, I know God's searching for him too. I know God wants him. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, you know, even if he doesn't give his life to Jesus or even if he doesn't like follow faith, you know, like I'm still going to be there with him. Like I'm still going to stand up with him. And I hope that one day my faith can just light people up in my family and can just show them like who God is and show them how God moves. And I think that faith should be contagious, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you, family, um, who are the people in your life that you will risk everything so that they can have a little bit of faith? Ooh. Who are the people in your life that you want, to have, you want to inspire them? You want to start to have your faith so that that can change their lives as well? Yeah. So I'm going to end this with uh, one last story. So... Um, One day, I was on on the internet, I was on my phone, and I just saw something that just wounded my heart. It just wounded me. I saw this image, and it was this picture, and it had some writing on it. It was actually Willy Wonka's face. And he just gave this face where it was just like, this intrigued look where it was just like, oh, like, you know, it's like one of those memes that's pretty famous, and it says, um, it says, oh, you like, Jeremiah 29 11 and it says after so I'll read Jeremiah 29 11 for you um, one second let me find that it says oh you like Jeremiah 29 11 which says for I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord um, there are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope then after that it says, "Oh, you like Jeremiah 29:11." After that it says, underneath it, it says, um, "Tell me more about how you're Babylonian, how, how you're exiled to Babylon." You know, so it's like, "Tell me more about how that works." You know, so how are you gonna keep that same promise, basically, from God and apply it to your life now? Yeah. You know, I was like, "Man, that that hurts." <laughs> you know, so then um, finally, like later, I I decide to look it up. You know. God, are your promises still, are, are, do your promises still work for me? Yeah. You know, do your promises still go through for me? And you know, I go where you find answers. I, go to, I went to prayer, then I went to Google. <laughs> and you know what? The scriptures I got on were uh, Galatians 3, 5 through 9, and 2 Corinthians 1, 19 to 22. These are about the promises of God. So it says in Galatians 3, it says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Yeah. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Yeah. Should we, share, we share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Yeah. And then 2 Corinthians reads, for Jesus Christ, the Son of God does not waver between Yes and no. He is the one who Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been filled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen. Which means yes. A sense to God for his glory. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. And he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. Yeah. So I wanted to end, you know, I wanted to end my message with this promise of God. You know, so I don't know where you're at in life, but you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, um, you might feel like you're in the fire. You, know, you might feel like you're jumping into the fire and you're, you're asking God, you know, God, are you going to save me? Are you here with me? You know? And sometimes you might be on your knees as well. You might be on your knees just looking on and just saying, God, you're not going to come through for me you know, anymore. You know, God, we've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to be here. You know, I've been waiting for you to push me through. So in Isaiah 43, there's a, this amazing like part of Isaiah where um, the Lord is speaking to him. The Lord is speaking directly to Isaiah, and he He gives this promise, and it's called the Savior of Israel. So it's this promise from God, and now I believe it's directly to us as well. So it says, uh, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I love that line, the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. Listen to God say, because you are precious to me. Every single person in this room, you are precious to me. See, God, he he says also, you are honored and I love you. Just so encouraging to hear those words from God. So encouraging to hear how much he loves you. And I think, God, I don't know where you're at right now, I just want to pray over you guys. If, if you feel like you need that faith, and yeah. you know, if you feel like you need a little bit of faith, you want to inspire all those people in your life who feel like God's abandoned them, or who feel like God is not with them anymore. And you know, I want to pray that you guys will be lifted up, that yeah. you guys will, will go out, and you'll stand up for God wherever it is. Yeah. So I'm just going to start this prayer right now. Father, we just we just thank you, God. God, we just... um. We thank you for faith, Lord, and we thank you that you've moved so many times in our lives, God. And I pray you continue to give us great experiences, God, where we start to see you move even more, Father, that we start to see you move mountains, God, that we start to see you make changes in people's hearts, God. We pray that you continue to light our hearts on fire, Father, that you will be the one that we want to please, God. That everyone around us, Father, will worship you, God, because they know what you're going to do, especially through our lives, Father. So I pray that you'll lift us up, God, that we can live lives out of bravery. We'll live lives out of strength, God. We'll we'll live lives out of community and commitment to each other, God. And I pray, Father, for this fire, God. I pray that this fire will come down, Lord. It'll touch our hearts, God, no matter where we believe in life, Father. No matter where we are with the scale, God. No matter if we believe a little bit. No matter if we believe a lot, Father. I pray you light us up, Father. God, and just change our lives, Father. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity so much, Lord. Amen.